Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks, the Heralds prepare for their trip to the elemental plane of water to go after the Olam Harp. But first, they've warned their friend Aras Zik about their suspicions that a fellow member of the Watchful Order is working with a blue dragon named Thuntorvrak, the one who has sent them on this mission. Aras promises to do what he can, and the team is now preparing to spend the day in Waterdeep to get ready for their mission to another plane of existence. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I have another martini. It is a blood orange martini, like I've had before, except I now have it in a fancy glass. Ooh, look, yes. at this. Ooh. look at this they nice look glass. Literally the day after, day or two after the last time we played, a box showed up at our apartment. Luke was like, uh, did you order something? No, did you order something? No, I didn't. I had these fancy glasses. And for a moment, I was very confused. And then I found the gift receipt. Travancore, cheers unto you. Ooh. We now have fancy glasses for martinis, and I'm so excited. So Luke is actually in the other room drinking a regular martini, since he is much more of a fan of the regulars. I, I have the sweeter blood orange and vodka martini because I, I am a noob. But I love it. And thank you, Travancore. And so we'll go and just pass it right on to you. Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Well, first of all, I'm glad you like the glasses. Um, I thought about getting you straight up martini glasses, but I thought those are more versatile for general cocktails and they look really cool. They are perfect. And the only reason that I feel bad about the uh, the blood orange is because Luke also got olives on a stick. And of course, you're not going to put the fancy olives. You're not going to put olives in blood orange. So while you continue with your drink, <laughs> well, good people of Faerun, Travancore's choice this evening is uh, Windridge Vines Raspberry Wee- Riesling, which I assume is wine in a can. I literally just bought this before we recorded on the way to picking up my dog from the groomers. So, oh no, wine in a can. Live taste. I feel bad. I have this fancy drink in this lovely glass and you have wine in a can. You know what? Hey, this was a choice that I made and you never know. Like <laughs> wine in a can is an adventure. You don't know what's on the other end of that, that, that pop top. This is a quote. <laughs> so I remember Jules was talking about, um, you know, daily wines, weekly wines, sort of like a table wine and like a, a monthly wine. Yeah. It's like a, I don't know. I feel like this is a... Hourly? Hourly, maybe. A never wine? It's definitely not a fortnight. It's it's all right. It's it's wine in a can. It's actually kind of a nice... You can taste the raspberry flavor. I mean, it got a nice like acidity to it, like a nice sourness that I enjoy. And the art on the can is really cool. And this is actually from Dallastown, Pennsylvania, which is apparently right outside of York. It's closer to me than Gettysburg, but not as close as Lancaster. But still not worth the drive. Well, maybe not for the wine alone, but uh, <laughs> the pictures on Google look very nice of all the things around there. And you got to figure, even of a winery where, regardless of the quality of the, the wine, vineyards can be a very exciting place to buy. To go to, to, to do it. It's a good, if you wear your mask and you're able to maintain distancing and it's open, it's actually a very COVID safe thing to do. Yeah. Potentially. Outdoors right now is the best way to, to go about getting outside at all. So uh, that's why I've been enjoying my night walks. Yeah, this is growing on me. 
<laughs> I love how this is the second sip and you're like, I don't need to be a snob about this. It's fine. I don't think I'm that snobby a person anymore. I think I was much more snobby 20 years ago. Jack, for as long as I've known you, which has been a very long time, you've never been a snob. No. And I say that because if you were a snob, I never would have gotten to know you for as long as I've known you. No, I do have high. Even if I were a snob, I, I, you, you all meet my very, very high, my potentially very, very high standards. Aww. We're special. Carlton, what are you drinking? <laughs> so we have a, uh, or at least I have a saying on sets is hydrate or dihydrate. And I had my first gig in a long while. And I could definitely Ooh. feel that I've been out of the game for six months because of, you know, pandemics. So I have a bottle of water so I don't dihydrate. Yes, please hydrate. Stretch and I hydrate. I love hydrate or dihydrate. It's a smart thing, especially on a set when you are the people running around with cameras and audio equipment. In that Texas is in- heat. <laughs> in Texas heat. And also with the mask and the cooling gator on my forehead, I'm going to have the weirdest tan lines in the next few days. As long as you were safe and were able to have a gig, that's the important bit. Yes. Yeah, I'm really happy you got it. Yeah. And Bernie, what are you drinking? So let me let me put my knitting down. Whoops. <laughs> This is a problem in every single... I try to anticipate when I'll be called on in, in group meetings so I won't be, like, scrambling to unmute. I have tonight an Am Bear Ale. Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, no. It'll, it'll be in our Instagram stories, trust me. It's an Am Bear Red Ale from Cameron's Brewing in Oakville, Ontario. And I had a sip of Stevens when he had his the other day. Usually... When we try beers, what, uh, well, now we don't go in together anymore. We just go in, like, one of us runs the errand. But when we go in the LCBO, it's always we buy two of each kind. And mine are always saved for Dungeon Drunks. But his are for when he's grilling. Steven Chilling with a beer and in the backyard grilling. And, of course, he would have the one that has a pun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got this. I, I feel like a bad a bad spouse. Because um, I definitely got this thinking about Jack and Travancore before. I was thinking, <laughs> oh, a pun for Steven. <laughs> well, it speaks thought, to me on many bear. levels. It does. It's a dad pun. It's a bear pun. It's uh, it's perfect. I-, I have to try this out now. I don't think you need to feel bad. I think this is so incredibly perfect for Travancore that the fact that Steven came in second is is still props to Steven. And finally, last but certainly not least, Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, it's Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular. And tonight I have an old favorite. It is a Moscow Mule in a very, very, very precious mug. Uh, it's delicious. So, fun fact about this mule I thought it was going to use up the last of my vodka. And then I opened a box that I hadn't opened that was just sitting in my kitchen for the longest time because we recently had a mouse. So, we were kind of cleaning things up and setting traps. And I was like, well, what's in this box? I found. A handle of vodka. What? I think wow. it was from a previous RTX that I had bought and then just not used. Ooh. So it, I'm good on vodka for a little while. Yeah. There's that nothing blood. more adventurer than finding loot in a box. Was it unopened vodka? Like, did you crack the seal or had it already been opened? It had already been opened. That's so even more of a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> so I had apparently used a little bit of it. And since it was RTX, I can't imagine that I would have only bought one handle of vodka for for us. I would have probably bought two, but I probably was yeah, just the eyes were too a little too big and honestly for RTX, like if I overbuy on booze, I could just throw it in my trunk and bring it home. So 
That's... Yeah, that's the thing. You're a drive away, so it's not that big of a deal. Those of right. us who have to fly in and for RTX, we have to uh, be slightly more cautious about we buy both with food or alcohol or anything, really, because, you know, luggage. Wow, it has been so long, and now now I'm... I miss packing. How weird is that? I'm not okay. traveling. It's weird. We, we spent the night on the houseboat on Friday night, and I overpacked because I just wanted to pack. I yeah. just wanted to pack clothes in a bag. I was just like, I might need this in the next 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight's shot of Fireball to be consumed with the first casting of Fireball or the equivalent spell thereof is dedicated to one of our patrons, Magic Dance. Thank you so much. And the first thing to die or the first... Mind blank to be cast on Carlton is going to be for you. And let's talk a little bit about today's game, because you all have some plans to get stuff to be prepared to go to the elemental plane of water. Some of you have tasks that are going to take all day that are slightly more boring, but incredibly important. So we're going to actually start with Jonathan, because I feel like poor Jonathan has probably the most important task that you are setting out to do for the day, but probably the most boring. If I remember correctly, the thing you were going to do today is go back to the silent library in the Watchful Order of Magis and Protectors and get yourself one spell. That is correct. So Jonathan the Magimuscular uh, wakes up and he's kind of blurry-eyed because maybe he he probably spent a little, little too much time uh, up last night just kind of like, uh, I don't know. And so he's going to kick his door open, like zombie walk out with bucks on his shoulder, also looking kind of blurry eyed. Go over to Carlton's door. Knock, knock. Carlton! I'm coming in. I go in. Carlton's still. What's Carlton's state in his bed? Carlton is commando when he sleeps in okay. a private room. Okay. Oh. I mean, that's right. fair. That that's it is fair. a private room, so Jonathan knocked and you've let him in. So, so he there is just is... on his face, stark naked. Just... All right. Is there even a blanket? Because it is the middle of winter. It's There was a blanket. It's not like rustled. So he's like, it's like, he's like half under it and half not. <laughs> so we got a half moon situation going on. In my head, Carlton is like, I feel like he's like got a lot of body heat. Yeah. Like real life, yeah. John. I have a lot of body heat. I'm always hot. The fan is always running, even in the middle of winter. It's what makes you your hugs so great, though, because they're because warm. You are Aww. a very warm person in both personality and, and in hugs ability to heat a room. <laughs> so not not really taking in the scene at all, because Jonathan the Magic Muscular's got a job to do. He goes over to Carlton's head. Mind blank. All right. I, okay, I have to ask because because we do have some form of consent here and a, and a bare butt. Do you have to touch his head in order to cast the spell? Yes. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't have to touch his butt, though. Your forehead is fine. You can give him little wake-up kisses. <laughs> I gotta tell you, because if there's me, and I was presented with this tableau, uh, mind what? blank would have been cast exactly. <laughs> with exactly. Just a smack on the... A gentle, a gentle one. Maybe light enough to not even wake him up. However, Jonathan is his own man. Yes, and Jonathan the Muscular is blurry-eyed, and he just wants to get this over with. So he's like, all right, I'll see you later. And Carlton, do you even wake up when you are mind blank? No. <laughs> okay. And John of the Magic Muscular like shuts the door, maybe a little louder, just and he's like, "Ugh, sorry." All right, Bucks, let's do this. And he just wanders. 
starts wandering to the uh, to the uh, Amethyst Acropolis. When you get downstairs from the Golden Rock Tavern, you find that Gustav has left out a cup of coffee, a travel mug of coffee, and a plate of eggs and fruit. I thought you were about to say a plate of coffee. <laughs> plate of coffee. <laughs> a plate of coffee. Jonathan the Magic Muscular is, go- is going out the door, and then he's like, as if compelled to approach the breakfast by uh, arcane means, like head first is like, and just like starts silently eating, drink, sipping. I'm not going to say that Gestock's coffee is magical in any way, but it is strong, which at this moment is like magic. <laughs> All right. You are finishing up with breakfast. You're going to go over. Is there anything else you want to try to do today? I know getting this spell to be able to breathe water is going to take you like, I think it's six hours. I think so, because third level. Six or eight hours. Third level, two hours a level. I, I'll I'll look it up, but. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else Jonathan the Medge Muscular really needed to do. He's got his tuning fork. He just needs a spell. He just needs a spell. And they will have it. I believe you were able to... If you haven't already paid, I know you asked for the funds. Yes. I have exactly enough money to to get this this spell and nothing else. Perfect. Well, you know, as I said before, while you are having the most boring day, you're also doing the most important work. Not long after you've come downstairs, consumed your coffee, fruit, and hash browns and coffee with another thing of coffee, the rest of you come downstairs, and I believe the order of the day was that Bernie and Carlton were going to go get outfits, and Travancore wanted to go speak to Valeria Tide Turner Langley. Is this all still true? Yeah. Bernie wanted to see it i guess i she wanted she had asked during the conversation i think people thought she was joking but like is there a indoor pool anywhere in Waterdeep? bernie would like to before before shopping with carlton she maybe while carlton is off helping jonathan well no you just woke him up to do the thing you didn't wake him up to Nope, he just, yeah, nope, yeah. Jonathan is on his own today because none of you can go into the silent library. And even if you could, you would be stuck there in absolute silence doing absolutely nothing. Bernie wants to learn how to swim. <laughs> so the problem is that when you've asked around and when you ask a stock, um, no one knows of any public pools that are indoors. There are plenty of places to go swim especially in the summertime when it is gorgeous in Waterdeep, if, if not hot. There are plenty of little tiny lakes nearby. There, There is the actual ocean, which is right there. Um, there is plenty of nice little parks and uh, places that families can go, but they are all outdoors. And so in the winter, when it's the dead of winter, there are more ice skating rinks than they are places to swim. So Bernie will have this morning enlisted Gestock's help to get the biggest tub. Cause she's not big. She is not. She's gonna get him to fill up the biggest like think like those giant kind of barrelly tubs that like you usually put enough water for cows to drink out of for days kind of thing. He's got animals. He must have one. She said, Gestock, I um hmm. How big is your biggest tub? So you explain to him what you're trying to do, and you ask that, and he says, I'm not going to have a tub big enough for that. I mean, I got a couple big tubs for, you know, like like Carlton over there, and he points over to where Carlton, I assume, is consuming 
basically anything being put in front of him. Yep. I got, I got tubs big enough for, you know, most body sizes. I haven't been able to afford to get tubs for, like, Loxodon and Centaurs and that kind of thing. So really what you're talking about is I, I got a... I have a water barrel for the horses. You know, let's go with the Carlton-sized tub, because I feel like if we fill it all the way, I could probably float in it. Yeah, you could definitely give it a try, sure. Uh, well, if your friend's okay with you being in the room, he's actually got the room with the- next to the- the one tub. Okay. Carlton. No, no, no. Yeah. Carlton forgets that the Golden Rock is not an all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet, and then just treats it as such. Which is funny, because you approach the counter- and there is no food. You have to still order the food. So every time you approach the counter, Gestak is like, yeah, you're supposed to tell me what, what you want and pay for it, remember? Yeah. What, what do you want? I'll have what she's having. Okay. Would you like it in a U size? Yes. I, that's what I figured. Chocolate croissant. Ooh, chocolate croissant. And Carlton says it just like that. When, when Brady's like, chocolate croissant. Carlton goes, chocolate croissant. 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 <laughs> Croissant. Pan, or pan de chocolat. So yes, uh, Travancore, you're, you've of course joined everybody, so he, he provides chocolate croissant for everybody. I just had a chocolate croissant the other day, actually. So They're delicious. Life, really art imitates life. Uh, it, Carlton, you don't mind if, while you eat a pile of chocolate croissants big enough to bankrupt this entire endeavor. If I, if I use your bathroom to um, learn how to swim. Yeah, I'm not using it. Great. All right. Are you going to do this now? Well, I mean, if there's other more important things people need to do. <laughs> I mean, you were talking about going and getting outfits, and that seemed incredibly important. It but... is incredibly important. I just figured in the morning, while Carlton is still putting away his requisite 4,000 calories that his body needs to run in a day. That's what I just assumed. I'm on that bodybuilder diet. <laughs> I assume your TDE is, like, incredibly high. <laughs> just, like, normal. Just your your body to run in a day is, like, 4,000 calories. And then if you move, it just goes up from there. Pretty yeah. much. So as you trundle down upstairs back to Carlton's room, are you doing this in your full regalia armor mm-hmm. the whole nine yards? Bernie, Bernie uh, loves her friends but knows out of concern they may have to come crashing in to uh, save her if she accidentally drowns in a bathtub. Uh, So she's going to do this in her, like, small clothes. Okay. So you head on in, and while you're upstairs getting ready to do that, Travancore, you're downstairs with Carlton. Was there anything the two of you want to talk about before you head off to... uh, And did you still want to go talk to Valeria Tide-Turner-Langley today? Well, I'm definitely going to talk to Valeria Tide-Turner-Langley today. I'm going to flag down Carlton while he's eating and say, Carlton, this is very important. Uh Uh-huh. Athletic medium. My pirate clothes should be an athletic medium. Hold That's on. The and size. I like reach in the bag of no, holding I, I like. And I Travancore already has it written down for him. Oh, great. He doesn't have a, he, the only reason it's not pinned to Carlton is because he doesn't have any safety pins. I got it. I got it. Also, women's swim, medium. Swim trunks. I don't think I'm going to need them because if I fall in the water in this plane, I think I'm dead anyway. But also athletic medium. Swim trunks and pirate clothes, women's medium. Got it. Athletic medium. And oh. I underline the, the word athletic three times. Is Barney in the earshot at all for this, or are we going to have... Uh, I'm going to say no at this very moment. <laughs> Sorry, Travancore. Oh, and a pirate hat for Shadow, whatever you think would fit his head. 
Okay, I got. I, we'll take care of Shadow. Thanks, man. I and I drop like I don't know, like twenty gold to cover whatever it is I need to buy. Oh, 20 gold is going to be well yeah. more than enough. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, he's financing everyone else anyway. So, And then I'm just going to grab my coffee to go and maybe a mouthful of ta- any kind of breakfast tots that are available. And if there are no breakfast tots, he will set, reluctantly eat, take some of the fruit. Uh, th- there reluctantly can be takes fruit. This yeah. coming from Travancore, king of apples. Well, Travancore is <laughs> trying to expand. Now that his family is free of this curse, he feels like he can safely expand into other fruits without dire consequences. Why we? Why would other fruits result in dire consequences? Well, I it's not even that. It's more that Travancore like has been limiting himself to apples, and he hasn't really given a thought to what else to eat until now. Like he's had a very one track mind up until this, and now that his family is free, and now that he's free, he's he's loosening up a little bit. Have you been denying delight to your taste buds out of some kind of misplaced idea of punishment for your family's sins? I mean, that sounds like both Jack and Travancore, so yes. <laughs> wow. We can unpack that later. <laughs> we we, we talked about how D&D can be therapy, but I am not a therapist. Okay, anyway, Travancore. You're a friend of uh, I am. I'm your DM. You're a... I don't know how to make Dungeon Master into therapist. I don't know. Because I am not. I am definitely not, but I, no. I, appreciate, I appreciate that moment. Uh, yes, Travancore, you can get both fruit and tater tots because... In this mythical world of mine, Gestock is amazing. You head off. It's going to take you a little while to get on over to the docks and find Valeria's ship. While you do that, Bernie, let me ask you a question. As you prepare to get into this tub, which is quite large, it is not so large that if you get into trouble that you couldn't put your feet on the bottom of the tub and stand up. It is your head would... Just peek over, but it would be incredibly hard for you unless unless you decided to take diving lessons and hit your head on a part of this incredibly nice clawfoot tub. You think it's pretty safe for you to be in this tub and practice swimming because you can always just stand. That being said, are you the type of swimmer who's going to use your natural athletic ability to push your way through? Or are you a more dexterous swimmer trying to be light and lithe and breaststroke your way through? Okay. I would say I'm trying to think about this from the point. I've been swimming competitively since I was five years old. You are a swimmer, <laughs> so yes. I'm trying to think of like, I, as as a person who has some, some, I think at, there's like the athletics of the muscle, but there's also like, to me, like when you're thinking about swimming, when you divide it up among athletics, athletics is, is, is just the shape that you're in. To me, an athletic role is a, can you just keep yourself afloat, which I think is what most people are doing. And to me, if I was like breaking up swimming, dexterity in swimming is doing the stroke correctly, yeah. right? dexterity is knowing that you never lay like athletics is being able to keep yourself afloat and get there dexterity is knowing that you never swim flat on your stomach you're always doing right you're always doing this side to side motion so i feel like any beginner swimmer the first thing they're doing is the athletics of just understanding the mechanics of your body yeah, and it's a safety net. It's the idea of, hey, I might not know what I'm doing, but I've got the strength to keep myself above water for as long as I need. So as you get into the tub, I would love an athletics check, please. I should have I should have made that 
based on whatever would help me get the better role, but I truly believe that swimming is both athletics and dexterity. <laughs> I do too, oh. which is why I asked. Uh, maybe a little bit of acrobatics to execute a flip turn well. Yeah, basically that's that's what I was asking. Like, do, is this going to be an athletics or an acrobatics role? And so we're going to go with athletics. That's a 10 and that feels right. That actually okay. feels right, honestly. I would be mad if I got really high on that. <laughs> so you are able to keep yourself above water you feel awkward, but you're unsure whether it's because this is not something you're used to or because you're doing it in a tub. And when you're when you do a really good job of kicking your feet to help stay afloat, your your toes do sometimes touch the bottom. And so it's a little awkward, but you are able to tread water effectively. OK, Bernie wants to try to do what most people would that swim would know as skull. It is a really, like, it's honestly, if you are, if it, like, if you are stuck, like, if you can float even a little, and you're stuck in a body of water, and you're like, what am I going to do to preserve energy? You should skull. You're laying on your back. You're barely kicking just to keep your feet from sinking. And you are basically using your arms by your sides as, like, a paddle. And you guys know the queen wave? That wave, the, like, elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist. It's almost like that, but imagine it down by your side and scooping water. I feel like someone who swims is going to be like, that's a shitty description. But it is. It's a very easy, low skull is, like, a thing you can do when you literally want to use the little amount of energy as possible. And I feel like I would like Bernie to be good at being stuck in a body of water where she cannot... I want her to be good at, I want her to practice that, and then I want her to see how long she can hold her breath for, because I feel like those are the two eventualities, which is stuck under the water and stuck in the water. All right, so I want two more rolls from you. One is going to be your, your, your float under tap without having to do very much. The other is going to be the holding your breath roll. So both of these are going to be constitution, the first one's going to be a constitution check. So give that to me first for your float on the top of the water roll. Oh, I have a plus to constitution. <laughs> That's not so bad. All right, constitution. Yeah, and this is just a check, not a saving throw. Oh. Seven? That's seven. So you're able to do the floating because it's not hard, but what is hard is keeping yourself calm while you're doing it. And because once again, for Bernie, this is a new experience. Every once in a while, it's it's a little bit of a flail. Either you accidentally think of the wrong thing or you bob a little bit lower in the water for a moment. It, it doesn't panic you, but it, it startles you. And so it's, it's uneven and you're unsure of yourself. Now for the holding your breath underwater, I believe it is your constitution score. Let me see. There's, a, there's an actual thing for how long can you hold your breath underwater. A creature can hold its breath for a number of minutes equal to one plus its constitution modifier. So what's your constitution modifier? A uh, plus two, I guess. All right. So you can hold your breath for three minutes. Well, I'm I'm going to tell you guys a fun thing as someone who <laughs> swims. That's... That's pretty unrealistic. Unrealistic. Welcome uh, to welcome to the fantasy world of D&D. I would like you to do one thing for me, though. So we know you can hold your breath for three minutes. I would like to give you to give me a constitution saving throw at the three minute mark to see what happens. Oh, fun. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so at three minutes, so you're, you're golden. You're like, ah, oh, sitting in the water. You're like, why do I even bother swimming? I'm just going to hold my breath. And 
get dragged along or swim or whatever it needs. I'm just going to hold my breath. And you get to three minutes and you start to feel that burn. You start to feel that panic. And as soon as you start to feel the panic, it completely overwhelms you and you splutter to the surface, holding on to the, the sides of the tub, gasping <laughs> for air. <laughs> oh no. You're fine, but yeah, like that. your body does not react well to even the slightest hint of, hey, I might need to breathe. Okay. Three minutes. Three minutes isn't bad. As Bernie recovers, Travancore, you head on over to the dock ward and you very quickly find the scarred serpent. It is once again docked in what you think might be its usual place. This is the second time you found it there. It seems to be undisturbed, does not seem to be damaged in any way, even though there's still ice chunks floating about. The big metal piece on the front of it is is still there and still looking in good repair. And uh, as you mount the gangplank going on up, you are very quickly met by a couple of the the crewmen on the deck who then tell you to wait on the deck for a moment as they go to get the captain. And she comes back up from, not from her office and her quarters, but from below decks. And you can see that she has, she's still impeccably dressed in her outfit. She still looks regal in that, the way that captains do. But it's obvious she's been putting in some work and you can see that she's in the process of wiping her hands on a cloth and casting a spell while she does it. It looks like she's casting prestidigitation to clean them off. So when she reaches you to hold out a hand and say, Travancore, it's very good to see you again. Uh, It is a clean hand. I shake Captain Langley's hand. I say, good to see you too. It looks like you're getting ready for a trip. Not just yet, but we think that the weather might be breaking soon, and so we can pick up a couple of of early season jobs and finally get back on the seas. After your mission, that was pretty much the last thing that we had to do except to get back here. And it's been pretty quiet since. We missed all of the the fun of the invasion of Waterdeep, and it's been kind of boring, actually. What can I help you with? Did you need to make another trip? We actually, yeah, potentially we were hoping to to hire you guys out. Hopefully we can alleviate some of that boredom. Are you familiar with the plane of, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, the plane of water? She gives you a curious look and says, I'll forgive the question, but I am a captain of an icebreaker who sails right along the shore. Yes, I've never been there myself, but I've heard the tales and... If the gods are kind, our ship won't ever end up there myself. Ah, well, we're going there. (laughs) (laughs) She startles. She has a gentle startle. She said this to you and then she- I mean, we, the Heralds of Greenest. (laughs) Yeah, she looks off, like, in the distance as she's thinking about this and you say that and she kind of blinks hard and looks at you and says, Okay, let's go have a, a sit and a drink. And she leads you into her quarters, which are simple but elegant, and over to her desk and where, despite the fact that you've just had breakfast, she pulls out what looks like a bottle of whiskey. Small glass for each of you, not not anything ostentatious for early in the morning, and says, all right, 
lay this trip on me. And Travacore looks at the glass leaf. He says, that's close enough to that time back home anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'm going to need it more than you, considering what you just said. But it feels impolite to not at least offer. No, I appreciate that. And I'll join you. Travancore, you know, takes a little bit of whiskey and uh, explains uh, some of the details of what he's after and uh, talking about the uh, Falatier instruments and, um, and hit the commission by a certain chromatic dragon and uh, the competing interests behind uh, getting this and the long-term hope of having some sort of like dragon slash watchful orders or magic pictures. By the way, W-O-M-P, WOMP, Rhesus fans, that is a fun acronym. Just realizing it now, only three years into this podcast. Hey, you know, the, the new things discovered every day. All right, you, you lay out the TLDR. And so you want to commission the Scarred Serpent to take you to the Plane of Water? Well, we have a way of getting there, but I thought it might be, one, more comfortable, two, safer, depending on what we run into, to actually have a larger sized ship than something potentially smaller and more transportable. The mechanics of how we would take you is something I may have to talk to our magician about, but I wanted to, but it's a moot point unless you got unless there's interest in your part. She leans forward and says, there's interest, but unlike your last journey, which had understandable dangers, this is a little more treacherous. It sounds like you know a little bit about traveling between the planes, and if your friend Jonathan has that thing... How do you think boats actually get to the plane of water? Well, I understood that the material, like, we'd be limited in what we could transport. I was hoping that, like, in the world of such magic, there'd be a way to potentially shrink a boat somehow to be able to get it to fit temporarily and then have the crew transport it potentially however many we need. It wouldn't have to be the entire crew, just what you think would be necessary for this kind of voyage. Well, to be honest, for this kind of voyage, I want everybody, all hands on deck, armed to the teeth. How we would get the boat and the crew there, I'm not exactly sure. You're right that there's ways of shrinking boats, but a boat this size would take quite the spell. And then there's a lot of crew to consider. So whether or not that's a possibility is kind of up to you. I'm not going to agree to anything until I know all the specifics. Sure. Usually any boat that ends up scuttled to the plane of water gets there through one of the storms that happens out on the sea you can usually tell when it's a bad one one that you don't just want to avoid because it's going to be dangerous but one that might open that rift tales that i know of are that any boat that goes through that rift made by one of those storms they don't survive the trip very well so okay that's not something I'm interested in. Now, are you looking to actually spend a lot of time on the water? You're just trying to get yourself to that island you talked about. I think the less time spent, the material, the plane of water, the better. The other thing I reason I wanted to talk to you is if if it wasn't an option to hire, if it wasn't feasible, like figuring out what the best like seaworthy vessel would be if it was just me and my party. Oh, just before you and a, well. And a bear and a dog. And a bear and a dog. The bear mostly, that counts as five. The dog balances out your gnomish friend. So five? Uh, there's a couple small boats you can get. You know, canoes, rafts, little things. It's going to depend on how close you appear next to this island and how you fare on the trip. I've never 
as I said, I've never been there myself, and all the tales that I've been told are through any of the storms that open up the rifts, and that's that's not a fun way to go. If your friend can get you close to this island, then you don't need very much. You just need something to be in if it's going to take an hour or two. Something like that, I would assume you could probably shrink a bit more. I don't know how the transportation works, but... There are ships like that that you wouldn't have to hire a crew. It'd just be the four of you and your bear. Man it yourselves. Uh, my only concern is I don't have a lot of experience with, with the ocean. I, I came here and I was with you guys and that's basically it. But uh, I always assumed that the larger vessel is the more seaworthy it is and the safer it was against things like waves and storms and things of that nature. Oh, that's exactly that's exactly correct. You're You're spot on there. The question is... How do you get it from here to there? She gives you an appraising look, and she says, This adventure you're going on, uh, I'd assume you're probably going to be paid well for it. Maybe, hopefully, make a little bit of money? Oh, that remains to be seen, but I haven't ruled out the possibilities. I mean, depending on how this uh, this 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 music company works out, we could probably... Work out some sort of sort of royalty deal or something like that. Are you familiar with? And then Travicor remembers. Um, what about a folding boat? Is that a thing? Travicor, you forgot. It's collapsible canoe. Collapsible canoe. Yeah. Listen, as long as he gets to to one of those, that's fine. It doesn't matter yeah. which one. She gives you a small smile and says, "Heard of such things? Little paper boats you can pull out in an emergency." Are you looking for something like that? That would be, honestly, right up what, what you'd be looking for for this trip. If if you think you can get yourself close enough to the island, that you're not going to have to sail for days and days. Well, there are contingencies around that, potentially, too, involving plesiosaurs and other such magics. But yeah, I, I, I have faith in our, our wizard. He's, he's a good, and I think we'll get enough information that we can get potentially very close to it. Okay. You know... She leans in, she looks over at the closed door, she leans back to you and says, I know where you can find one of those. Oh, yeah? It's going to cost you quite a bit of money, though, or something just as good as money, because the captain that has that, she's got it stashed away for emergencies, and she would not only want it back in decent condition, but she would be without it for a while, and normally... She shouldn't even be interested in offering it, but considering we're not going to be going anywhere on the Scarred Serpent for a little while, as long as you think you might be back from this plane in the next couple of weeks, I think there's a good chance this captain might not need her insurance policy. Okay. And so I ask again, how much do you think you're going to be paid? Because that might... Oh, you know, make it a little easier for you to put down an advance on this money you're going to be making to secure an insurance policy from a captain who might be interested in making a little bit of coin. Okay, thinking critically about how interested Tom Trebek is in achieving this and realizing that monetary compensation is potentially a part of that, I think, but not really We're knowing about We're also very it. terrible at negotiating that beforehand. Yeah. Can can Travancore like into it somehow? Like how much he thinks at least at the very least his share would be of, of the uh, of the cut would be. So as far as I know, you did not talk about any kind of cut 
this was a promise to go do a job for Thontor Vrak in exchange for him promising not to attack a town of kobolds. So this was a a tit for the tat kind of situation. Ah, extortion, yes. It was it was extortion that he was willing to bend the negotiations a little bit to get you to do the job even though it meant waiting on you to finish what you were doing. Bernie's proposal intrigued him, but there wasn't enough details to talk through whether there would be any monetary compensation. So as far as you know, with the exception of whatever it is that you might find while you are there, there's no money coming your way. There's just a whole bunch of kobolds in a nice town a couple leagues away from Amphail who are going to be happy. (laughs) Now... Hmm. The DM would say that that is priceless. However, Valeria Ty Turner Langley, who was sitting in front of you, giving you a very wry look and negotiating the release of her insurance policy, probably doesn't have that much goodwill. I'll let right. your insight pick that up. Well, there there is the matter of of trade deals and relations back home and the needs for 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 merchants who are trustworthy to work with. I could, in exchange for for having access to such a vessel, I could upon return from to my house, make sure that said captain would be very fairly compensated and have exclusive trade rights to the kingdom of Conum, which has a decent amount of wealth. Make a persuasion check at disadvantage. Ooh, disadvantage. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how persuasive I am. Oh, that's actually very persuasive. You're very right, persuasive. But But you've just asked her to do something for no money up front, which is why yeah. disadvantage. So nine. With a nine, an eyebrow raises and she says, I like where you're going, but let's be fair. You're pretty powerful. You're pretty awesome. I hope you come back. But you're going to another plane, one that I know from all the stories that I have heard. It's one of the most dangerous places to go. You might not come back and then I'll lose my insurance policy and my payment. What am I going to get up front? Travancore size and... Hoping Gestock will agree to this. A jet black Arabian horse. All right. Not necessary on a boat, but something I could probably sell. What else do you got? And I'm going to let you think about that for a little bit. And she is still playing hardball. We're going to switch back over to Bernie and Carlton. Three Azamar and a tiefling are sent to a strange new world on a divine mission. Trouble is, when they arrive, none of them can remember what the mission is, and only one of them has any interest in the god that sent them. Join Briathos, Bizdira, Kit, Flick, and DM Jazzy Hands as they play matchmaker with kobolds, assassinate Yuan-Ti political figures, and completely, if accidentally, disrupt the delicate equilibrium of the world they found themselves in. Reviewers call it a patchwork of beautiful storytelling, immersive roleplay, and a healthy sprinkling of humorous banter. The Last Refuge is a weekly D&D actual play podcast set in a completely original world. Check us out at dndlastrefuge.com. Happy gaming, y'all. Bernie, was there anything else you want to do in the tub? Or are you done and you're going to go off with Carlton and get yourself some outfits? Bernie's going to admit defeat, shampoo her hair, and uh, come downstairs, dry her hair off, and have a second croissant and say, Okay, let's make a plan of action. So, I need to spend like a tiny bit more money than we were planning on to because I need to buy Travancore women's medium. He needs an athletic medium, but I'm going to make it look like I forgot. I'm going to fuck with him. So you want to buy an athletic medium, but 
also maybe I want to buy the right clothes for him, but I want to present him with the women's medium. What if we save the money and just ask if we could have a tag from the store that says women's medium and we can put that tag on the athletic medium? That's way smarter. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Let's go shopping. Let's go shopping. We also gotta okay. get a hat for the bear. Oh, yes. And a cape. Of course. I want to know, so I'm, I'm not going to role play the entire shopping montage because you have more than enough money for all of this clothing. I, I want, when we cut back later on this evening when Jonathan is going to, and, and Travancore are going to join you, I'm going to want you to fashion show what you've, what you've got. But what are you looking for? I think Bernie is, oh God, I want to say, well, like Bernie's thinking about rust and armor. Carlton does not think about that at all. <laughs> like, okay. that's the first thing that comes to mind is that, like, you can't really, like, she would want something that would, like, some 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 kind of, like, wax or something that might protect from, from the salt water on her armor because she loves it. It's very pretty. You can definitely get that. Also, do you have mending? Did you pick that as I one of your cantrips? I do have mending. Me- yeah. You do know mending will also help with rust. Okay. So you can do both. You you have access to a spell, and also you can pick up some uh, some protective wax that that would definitely help with the armor. So yeah. you can get that. What else? Uh, she's gonna be looking. I think the last time we went shopping, we bought lots of like wintery clothes. Yep. So she's thinking about. Um, I she's Bernie's thinking practically, but also cute. So, um, I think about the fact that a lot of clothing that is really durable or was a long time ago work clothing was made from canvas especially clothing that you wore like around these so it's like it's a combination of needing durable things but also linen because linen is going to wick away sweat and linen is the thing that you want in a hot humid environment because it dries quickly and it's far better than cotton so Bernie assumes, you know, that she needs to be, I'm going to say Bernie assumes she needs to be prepared for warmth, but you're going to throw at us like icebergs or something. But you already have cold weather clothes, so you'd be okay with that. Yeah. She's going to prepare for warmer weather based on, I think, what would be the knowledge of the time. Just is that, like, you want linen clothing, you want something that's loose-fitting, but doesn't have, like, lots of extra bits around it that will get in the way and get snagged on things. Sure. flops. Are you picking up for just you or for everybody? Are these... She's picking up the practical clothes and she's going to let Carlton be in charge of the fantastical. All right, Carlton. What you, what are you focused on? Hats, eye patches, capes. Okay. Any particular uh, color for... Or oh, colors? I thought we were going to do the fashion show at the end. Oh, okay. We could do the fashion uh, show at the yeah, end. Yeah, I mean, okay. I can give it to you at now. one point says, if you're going to buy capes, please make sure they're waterproof. Please buy waxed canvas. Nothing. She's like, it can be cute and fancy, but it ha- if it's going to be the only cape we buy, it also needs to be functional. Waxed canvas, please. You can absolutely do that. Or uh, later in the 19th century, they did start to have raincoats made from vulcanized rubber, which... But wax canvas for a long time. That's what you had. Sorry. That's your waterproof. That's okay. Once again, this is a fantastical, wonderful world with magic and waterproof capes. Okay, so capes. Yeah, I guess you would just have a spell. Well, these are not going to be magic items or else the the money on this is going to be quite a bit more. But, you know, I I think because magic and other worlds and other things are available, technology is a bit further ahead. Carlson, I know what Bernie looks like. 
I know what her weird fantastical pirate. Great. I'm gonna get. She you told an that image. to Carlton, and we will do that during the fashion show. Yes. Awesome. Is there anything else you two want to get while you're out? All of this is eminently doable in eight hours. Water bottles. You can get canteens. Extra. Lots of ginger hard candies. In case seasickness. Absolutely. You can do that too. Okay. I'm going to say getting all of this tailored in the exact specifications that you want as a slightly rushed job because you want it done by the end of the day today. I'm going to say the whole thing, everything you've just talked about, 25 gold. Oh, sweet. Travancore fronted most of that. (laughs) Travancore fronted (laughs) most of your fashion show. Um, Jonathan, you are finishing up getting the spell put into your spell book. Um, Did we find out, is it six or eight hours? It is six. Awesome. So you have a little bit of time. On your way out, as you are finishing up, unless there's anything else you wanted to do in the Amethyst Acropolis before you left. Jonathan the Muscular is considering as he leaves casting invisibility on himself since he pulled a pretty ballsy stunt and kind of wants to avoid authority figures for a bit. Uh, Let me see if he actually bothered to prepare it this morning. Oh no, friends, it's not looking good. I don't think he has invisibility. Uh, uh, Nope, he did not prepare invisibility this morning. So he is going to try and sneak out. I would love a stealth check. All right. So it was rattling around on a natural 20. It is instead a two, and that makes a four. Excellent. Here's what I'm going to say. You get out of the Amethyst Acropolis without encountering any of the people you would want to avoid. There's at one point that you think you see Balana Zedok down the hall, but of course, it is a giant purple tower. All of the halls curve slightly, so you are able to just like deftly, you're not stealthy. She knows there's somebody ahead of you, but you're able to stay out of eyeshot. You take the teleportation down into the the main lobby, and before you even step out into the lobby, Jonathan! I, I missed you going, or maybe you did go onion. It was early. I hadn't had a lot of coffee yet. Uh, uh yeah. Totally missed me then. Absolutely. Where are you off to? Oh, I'm going to head back to the Golden Rock Tavern, and I, I think. Oh, Razo, I'm getting, I'm getting ascending. It's Bernie. I, I must go now. Oh, bye. Okay. All right, bye. And you rush off. I rush off. <laughs> and the camera zooms up and pans back over to Travancore as no time has passed in this moment as uh, Captain Langley is now regarding you closely, waiting for your next volley of offers for her folding boat. Well, my colleagues have horses as well, but if that doesn't suit your fancy, there are two items I could see myself parting with. I have a uh, a flare bow. It's my old bow. It's not on me, but I can get it from the house very easily. Could be something to be interest- of interest if you need to defend yourself. It generates fire. It's pretty cool. She seems interested and nods, but she stays quiet as you've mentioned two items. The other item, and this is one I do have on me, is this. And I activate Murray. <gasps> oh, hi. Oh, this is a... Oh, where are we? Oh, hi, ma'am. How we doing? This is unexpected. Hello. So, 
I would be okay with Murray hanging out with you as, uh, you know, just to keep him company while while we're gone and in favor gone, of... Gone, gone. Where are you going? And you're not well, taking me with you? Oh, well, driving car. I thought we were friends. We are very good friends, and that's exactly why I'm, I, I, I think you're better off in the capable hands of Captain Langley, at least while I'm gone. Why? Where are you going? Ah, uh, somewhere where there's a lot of water. Well, you're on a boat, so that, yeah, this kind of makes sense. Even I, more. <laughs> even more than a boat? All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole you, plane full of the stuff, dude. Oh, you go into the, oh, you gotta watch out for all those those big sea monsters then. You, you, you're ready for krakens? You're ready for leviathans? You're ready for big squids? Ah. <sighs> Yeah, as ever, I ever am. And I thought to myself, if that adventure goes south, I thought, you know, the cap- the company of the good captain is be- eminently preferable to a watery existence for the next couple hundred years or so. Yeah, I've done the whole watery grave thing. It's not very fun. The fish don't like to talk. All right, uh, so what? You're just, you're leaving me? Well, my plan is to come back with something preferable to, uh, to, the, to Captain Langley, that is to say money. Once I know how much of it there is and how, and what what an appropriate compensation would would be, am I being I, think, ransomed? No, well, think of yourself as collateral. <laughs> I'm okay. That's slightly more. I mean, I'm kind of a powerful undead skull of immense knowledge, and I've been alive for countless eons. But collateral, sure, we'll go with that. And then I look up at Captain Langley to, to read a reaction. She seems amused. Uh, let me roll something real quick to see how well she seems. Oh my god, I rolled a one. Oh, that could be good. It could be bad. No, this this is actually really good. As she was considering how uh, she she incited Murray, and it's oh. hard to read, which adds to the mystery. She leans in a little bit and says, "You are a." Undead skull of eons of information? Yeah, you know, I, I can't say I know everything, but I've, I've been around the block a couple times. You got a very nice ship here. You, you going anywhere? No, it's the middle of the winter and the icebreaker doesn't get a lot of... Oh, it doesn't get a lot of jobs right now. I'm considering lending to Travancore something that he and his friends might need quite a bit in the hopes that they come back with something quite valuable to pay for that rental and apparently your collateral murray of course is just a skull and so the only animated bit is his jaw but and and his eyes light up but there's no irises or anything and travancore you could swear even though you're holding murray in your hands and he is not at all ambulatory you could swear that he cocks his head and smiles and he says well i mean i got a lot of stories and I got some pretty good jokes. Most of them are puns. A couple of them are in a dead language. How many dead languages do you speak? Not that many. I'll teach you a dead language or two. She looks back at you, Travancore, and says, See, I didn't even know you knew dead languages. Well, you know, if we talked more often, then I wouldn't be surprised by being collateral. You better... I hope you come back and you pay really well to get me back. You better come back with, like, platinum or something. And... The captain continues to grin, and her grin gets wider as Murray says, And if you're going to the plane of water, then uh, you better pick up some... some you're going to the, the aisle? You're going to the Isle of Dread? You're going there, right? That's where everyone goes. It's like the hot it spot. Look, 
Yeah, I, I think so. I want one of those tiny little dinosaurs that spit acid. I, I forget what they're called. You get one of those little tiny ones. I want one of those. And then you're going to put me on the back of it. I want to ride around. It'll be, it'll be awesome. I want to be like your friend Bernie with the dog, except I'm going to be on the back of one of those dinosaurs. No promises. I'll see what I can do. All right. And like, think about it this way. If I had fit kicking you with me and we had all gotten murdered, like, is it really better to be in the plane of water for an indefinite period of time? Listen, the death of you and your friends would be sad, but it wouldn't be the first time that I got stuck somewhere for a couple hundred years with, like, no one to talk to, so... So, I'm kind of doing you a solid, it sounds like. Well, you know, I'm gonna... I'm gonna consider this a good thing, and I'm not gonna take it personally, and I'm not gonna read into this that you just don't want to take me with you. But yeah, I want one of those little dinosaurs. And... Valeria speaks up and says, I would also like this bow, because now you're asking for me to give you back Murray. And in the end, it seems so far I'm getting a lot of promises, and I'm getting a used boat, but this sounds like a magic bow. Yep. I want that. Yeah. It's it's yours. I I might like a new bow of my own, and like your horse, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. Keep the horse. Horses are a little harder to sell. Magic items. I know some shops I could take that to. That, even at its base price, I'm pretty sure would pay for a down payment for the boat. And she holds out her hand for Murray. And I uh, I kind of give Murray a nuzzle on the, on the cheek. Like, not quite a hug. And then I hand him over. Oh, this was, we suddenly got intimate. This got a little weird. Oh, hi. I, I didn't know how name? to hug you. <laughs> I, you can hug me all you want. I just can't hug you back. I don't have arms. Hi, how you doing? Uh, you can refer to me as Captain Valeria Ty Turner Langley. Oh, uh, it's a really long name. You got something like, can I just call you Captain? Yes. And you are Murray? Yeah, I'd give you my real name, but once again, dead language. Uh, Travancore, you, why don't you go on and go get that bow for the nice captain here, because I only got a couple more minutes before I got to shut off for the day, so sure. I'll, I'll let her know what's going on. Be right back. And as you are leaving to go get the bow, and we'll, we'll jump ahead, we'll say that you go back to, I'm assuming it's in the bag of holding, is the, the yeah, bow. Yeah. So you Usually. go back, you find Carlton, who has returned from a shopping expedition, who's still laying everything out. You grab the bow, you come back and give that off to Valeria. The last thing you hear before you leave is Murray saying, so, what do you know about liches? As you leave. When you come back, obviously it's long enough that Murray is no longer active. Valeria takes your bow, looks it over, gives it an approving nod, reaches into a saddlebag and pulls out A little wooden box that is only about a foot long, it's a little deep, uh, weighs about four pounds, and hands it over to you and tells you three command words to use. Uh, The first command word, and I'm going to let you come up with your own command words because you're good at that. First one, she says, will unfold this box into a ten foot long, four foot wide, two feet deep boat kind of the canoe you were talking about. The boat has one pair of oars, an anchor, a mast, and a sail, and it can hold up to four medium creatures comfortably. So with Shadow, it's going to be a little bit of tight quarters, but it will fit you all. And she says that that boat is good for short distances. She does not recommend that you stay in that boat for more than a couple of hours, but it's quicker to unfold. 
So if you're in a real hurry, that pretty much happens instantly. The second command word, the box, and she's describing all this. She doesn't obviously do this for you. It's going to unfold into a ship that is actually 24 feet long, 8 feet wide, and 6 feet deep. And I'll send you the, the, this magic item so you don't have to write everything down. It has a deck, uh, rowing seats, five sets of oars, a steering oar, an anchor, a deck cabin, and a mast with a square sail. The ship can hold 15 medium creatures comfortably. And then the third command will actually cause the boat to collapse back into the box that it was originally in this little tiny box. Um, any objects that are on the vessel that can't fit inside the box remain outside. So if you leave something behind on the boat, it suddenly just goes and lands somewhere. And as far as you and she can tell, uh, you can use this pretty often. It will take longer for the larger boat to unfold than the smaller boat. And she also says any damage to the boat's to either the smaller boat or the larger boat will be will carry over. It doesn't magically repair itself. So if you destroy one of the boats and you try to reform that boat, you're still going to get a destroyed boat. You have to fix the boats. And she does want the box and the boat returned to her mostly undamaged, repairable at least. And you now have in your inventory a folding boat. And you no longer have a flare bow or Murray. And with that, you return to the Golden Rock Tavern, where Jonathan and Bernie and Carlton have all magically arrived all at the same time. And I will leave the fashion show up to you. So I was in charge of the, uh, what you call it, the fashionista part, Julia, or the fantastical. The fantastical. So Bernie doesn't trust your sense of fashion, but she does trust your sense of fun. Uh, so we all have just the standard, like, uh, Jules, you know, you would probably know the tr- correct term for it, but like the tri-tip pirate hat. The tricorn hat. Yeah, the tricorn. So we each got like one of those in like standard black, uh, including one for uh, Shadow. Uh, I got us each personalized eye patches. Which I we'll need to in- know, does the one for Shadow make room for his ears? Yes, of course. Awesome. It's Although it looks a little rough because like Carlton obviously forgot to order it that way. And so when he got back and saw Shadow, he went, just took his like little knife and just like kind of cut it in. <laughs> awesome. You, have, you put it on his head. And you have to like get like like get his ears through. Like okay, just work that ear through and then work yep. this ear. And it, it works now. You know, he yeah. has some time. <laughs> so we each got our personalized eye patches, and then I got us all matching capes. They are royal purple waxed canvas with a shield kind of symbol that's divided into four, and in the top left is the symbol of Bay. Top right is a blue fire. Bottom left is uh, a bear paw. And then the bottom right is a white dire wolf with blue eyes. Just the head. And those are our matching capes. Uh, Our personalized eye patches are the symbols that corresponds to our part of the cape. And it's a little eye patch. But like embroidered on. Carlton the Fantastical. And did you also get outfits? I was I was told well, that there would be uh, outfits. Well, was for... in charge of the outfits. Well, but you were in charge of something for Travancore. If oh, I yes. remember correctly. I got Travancore's. But I figured we would go go into the... Because uh, <laughs> Travancore gets that plus the regular stuff. And then it, the special order of the swim trunks will go into after we get Bernie's. I feel like we definitely all bought bathing suits. Because 
because when when Bernie found out that Travancore wanted a bathing suit, she went, "Oh, that's a really good idea." And so there was a purchase of bathing suits. Bernie bought herself a nice yellow one piece. Um, she bought Jonathan some swim trunks with flames on them. Uh, so I would say Travancore is, is the loudest, most obnoxious tropical floral pattern uh, swim trunks that, that I could find. Uh, and then Carlton's in a uh, blue speedo. That makes oh. sense. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Gotta have that range of motion. As for everyday wear, everyone has been given some linen pants as well as some canvas pants. So, like, basically, depending on what you need it for, everyone has a linen shirt and. Bernie also got capes for everyone, because if you notice, as she's handing them out, it's not, like, you would expect her to give you, like, colors personalized, but no, it's all blue. All of it's blue. Kind of this, like, cobalt blue. And then she starts to hand you out these wax canvas capes that are less capes and more bright yellow... (laughs) raincoats and there's these bucket bright yellow rain hats because we're does everyone raining. look like paddington bear now is that what you're going for i was I going was, for the gordon wait. fisherman yes, ah, is gordon shadow fisherman. paddington bear right now because yeah, i am on board with that bear. but uh yeah i i suddenly in my head decided that we could go for sexy pirates or no. we could go for fish sticks I mean, and I'm sorry, I I always agree with fish sticks over sexy. I will always take fish sticks over sexy. You will get extra experience at the end of this game for fish sticks over sexy. I will say when I googled Gordon's Fisherman, there are several versions. And one of them is clearly the Gordon's attempt at a sexy fisherman. That's oh, nope, no. Nope, I'm we not going to be Googling that. that. We are original mascot. Thank you. And, and, and Shadow looks like Paddington Bear. Did did you get any of this in a size for Bucks? Yes. Bernie got a tiny little bucket hat for Bucks because she didn't know if a cape would fit on him, but she did get a tiny little uh, little yellow bucket hat for Bucks. As soon as you put it on Bucks, he kind of like straightens up in like his little his little straightest bestest pose. He kind of preens with it. He's like, and Travancore, how does how does Shadow enjoying his hat, his tricorn? Pat. Shadow can't stop touching it with his front paws. He's just always trying to straighten it. Like, he tries to straighten it a little bit, but he goes too far. And then he maneuvers his paws like... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he puts up one paw and it goes too far to the right. He puts up his other paw and goes too far to the left. And he's just... He's a constant seesaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. And remind me, before before we get to the specialized items, Bernie, I think you had said you were planning on Coco Snoot staying behind... Yes, Bernie is, as you, with good reason, frightened of the plane of water, just like she was frightened of the Feywild. And she is like, something though that Jack said, which is like, well, you guys were talking about time. I've suddenly realized that, like, who knows how long we'll be gone. And now she feels like she should take her dog. Because what if we're gone for, what if, like, time works differently and we're gone for years and her dog dies while she's gone? And that would be awful. And, hi, I'm sorry, we should pause because this is Julia having anxiety. Oh, oh no. I'm going to I'm gonna oh. help you. I'm going to help you out. Because Boom. the easy answer would be. I would if I still had water left. Do you think I am? I'm gonna, I know, I know, I know. We're going we're gonna to go the easy route here. Bernie said that all out loud. 
Jonathan, roll me an arcana check. These I am much better at. It also helps when you roll a natural 20. Everybody drink. drink. Cheers. That is a a 30 for the arcana check. Bernie mentions all of this. That she's keeping shadow that she's keeping Cocos Nuke behind for the safety and blah blah blah, and then moves into the more frightful idea of time dilation and coming back to a deceased companion animal. Jonathan, you know about the Feywild and the weirdness of time coming back and forth. The problem was, of course, when you went to the Feywild, you didn't know you were going in advance, and so there was really nothing you can do to prep for that. That's a relatively unique facet of the Feywild. There is a possibility of a little bit of time dilation coming back and forth from some of these other planes, like a day or two or three, like a a weird bit of massaging from the travel. But the idea that you can spend time in the Feywild and it will equate to double, triple, you know, years and years and years versus days and days and days. That's a Feywild thing. You're pretty positive unless you get stuck in the plane of water that that's not something you're going to have to worry about. Jonathan the Magimuscular releases in a very a clinical but reassuring fashion. Okay, um, Kokosnook, what do you want to do? Kokosnook continues to sit attentively at your feet, as I don't think you've got Rory's telepathic bond up, unless unless you want to tell me that that just happened. I mean, Travancore will offer to cast Speak with Animals if he wants to get an, if she wants an answer. Yes, please. Boom. So, Travancore, you relay the question. Yeah. I don't want to talk to myself. Oh, I was going to say, Lauren, please be Cocos. <laughs> okay. Hey, listen, I was just talking to myself earlier. This is what I do. I'm a DM. Tell my Bernie that that much water is bad for paws. And while doggy paddle is right up my alley, it would be very difficult to doggy paddle with her on top of me. So if she would like me to stay behind, then I will guard the pocket house. Verbatim. With the accent? Not with the accent, because Travancore doesn't want to be accused of cultural appropriation. <laughs> I'm up here. <laughs> Jack's not worried about doing an accent, but like Travancore specifically is sensitive to um, Coco Snoot's either real or constructed identity. Either way, it's valid <laughs> to Coco Snoot. Very constructed. constructed. Because he's only like a two year old pup, right? Yeah. I you love all of that. He pretends that he was in World War One. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. I love all of this, but Travancore, I also want you to roll me roll a nature check. Oh, because this is this is amazing. I love all of this. Nature, nature guy here. You are a nature guy. Twenty one. There's an interesting thing that happens as you've spoken to Coco Snoot on a regular basis through Rary's telepathic bond, which translates your animal companions. They're not actually speaking in Rary's telepathic bond as much as like when Buck speaks to Jonathan outside of it, it's it's in images. A lot of your animals speak in that same way and it just gets translated into speech for the Rary's telepathic bond. With you casting speak with animals, it's less that you're getting Coco Snoot speaking English and more you have suddenly gained the ability to understand Coco Snoot. And so Coco Snoot isn't once again speaking in words. Coco Snoot is speaking in dog, which is images and feelings. So you actually 
and I'm going to say everything you just said is is 100% true, that you don't want to do it because of cultural appropriation, the whole nine yards. But you do notice in this moment in the speaking to animals, there's no accent. Hmm. I, I did it with an accent because I'm a DM and that's just what right. I do. And also it made sense for Cocos New. But what you really heard was... I'm yeah. very good at being able to doggy paddle. It, like it's a, it's as if there's no accent because you are speaking his language. Oh, like when you yeah. speak French, people don't speak French with a French accent. Exactly. You've, right. you know, Cocos Nude is speaking in a Russian accent in our very telepathic bond, but in this spell that you've just brought on, you do not hear an accent. Hmm. But I also love everything that you just said. Yeah. Well, Travis Coral will say, huh. Guess it's different when we speak with animals. Without clarifying what it is that's different. What? <laughs> Unless anyone asks. And Coco's new kind of leans into Bernie just, just a tiny little bit. Okay. Well, you are going to stay here with this stop. And I'll make sure that you have a room if you want a room or if you want to stay in. I don't know where he stays. And he'll feed you and. And I promise that I will come back. Bernie, he licks you on the hand, like a very simple, like, yep. And Travancore, in your Speak With Animals, you hear, I have no doubt that you will return victor. I don't think we can return them because these were a lot of these were Without custom the ordered. <laughs> yeah. But accents sure. are fun. So. It's, it's accents are fun. And is it really Cocos Nude if I don't speak in Bernie's, Jules, Russian accent? He's not Cocos Nude. He's not Cocos Nude. He's not no. Cocos Nude with no accent. Hmm. And yeah, Travancore relays that. Well, well, his own accent, because as we all know, Travancore has a very unique way of speaking. I feel like there's going to be a lot of opportunities for you to say water. <laughs> oh, now. You're welcome, bud. Of course. As opposed to water? I can say it both ways. I'm bilingual. Is there anything else you would like to do this evening? I guess I should explain that, you know, Murray is gone. <laughs> or at least yeah, for a little bit. actually, Bernie, yeah, we haven't, we've done a fashion show. We've not heard from the Mounja Muscular or or Jack. And I was going to ask, how is the fit? Oh, so Jonathan like tries on his his uh uh his pants, his new waterproof pants. Like, hey, these are nice. I- I'm going to keep my robes on though because you know they're they're I I think they'll be fine. They're they're magical. They'll if I get disintegrated, these will survive. Oh, yeah. Just FYI, if that ever comes up. I don't think we could return them either. Do you think that they smell like a disintegrated wizard? It would be bad. But no, I'm wearing the pants. That? The pants are <laughs> are fine. It's the other stuff that Jonathan the Magic Muscular doesn't really need. But if he see if he intuits this reaction, he'll very slowly put on the the yellow cloak. Oh and the purple cloak at the same time. Add the purple cloak and be like, oh, look, I could put these on over. I'm good. Thank you. Purple is very, it's a good color on you. Yeah, kind of, uh, yeah, the, the, my, my, uh, my robes are, are purple-ish. There are a lot of colors. I love them. These are, these are great. And Travancore has no sense of expectation of what people are supposed to wear when they're pirates in favor. And this is another culture. And he has been here for, you know, a while. But uh, but pirates, maybe there are different rules. Like, So if Travancore has, in fact, put on women's clothing, then I don't think he even notices. I mean, I got you athletic medium, but your tag says women's. Yeah. It's just labeled as 
Oh. Then it is it is exactly I'm gonna say because Bernie has a practiced eye for this thing, if you ordered the correct thing for Travancore, all of you have clothing that fit you perfectly. But yes, it is labeled as women's. And Travancore looks at the label and is like, That is that is surprising. <laughs> hey, you've been working out a lot and you've been looking really svelte, bud, so I decided to trim it down a little bit. Hmm. Well, I guess everyone has a different idea of sizes. That's not true just back home, it's true here too. These will work. And then Travis Gorge just sort of <laughs> nods and like, ah, they're women's clothes. It's not really a big de- deal. And they fit perfectly. So who cares? Clothes is clothes. Clothes is clothes. It's like, like Hickory like said from Trolls World Tour. Trolls is trolls. Clothes <laughs> is clothes. All right. So with all that out of the way, what do you do? What ta- if we eat? Are we? Well, I guess Bernie wants to know when we're leaving. Jonathan, how'd your day go? Oh, oh, it went good. Uh, I've got water breathing now, so every day, uh, in the Feywa, or I'm sorry, in the uh, in the elemental plane of water, I will be casting this on us, and uh, it should get everyone. So yeah, I'm I'm prepped. Gustav comes on by and is. I'll I'll make this pretty quick, but he's going to want. Uh, if you want to rent the room for while you're gone, he is going to want a little bit of a gold advance because he does have to go pick up. Dog food, appropriate for Coco Snoot. How many days do you tell him you're going to be gone? He, Because he'll ask. He'll say, so uh, how many days do you need the room for, do you know? I mean, I think on average, our little jaunts only last a couple of days. So want to get a week's worth just to be safe? Uh, yeah. 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 We'll probably be less than a week, but just in case. All right. Uh, well, if you want the... Or 10 day, at least. Yeah, Bernie, if you just want to keep your room for the 10 day as... Uh, it's going to be 18 gold for the 10 days. Bernie looks up at Carlton and says, 18 yep, uh, gold. Yep, Carlton's grabbing his little uh, Bernie uh, <laughs> ledger. And he will hand over uh, tw- uh, 18 of Bernie gold as he writes in her ledger that she now has two gold. I do? That's good to know. Yes, you have two gold. <laughs> Official ledger. <laughs> we should ask for money. Oh my god. We're in- we are ter- we've been doing this what five years and we still haven't learned to negotiate our pay on the front end well to be fair we were thinking we were gonna get into a fight yeah, yeah that's true and you you did get paid there is an entire wonderful settlement of oh cobalt yes yes continue like to- oh of yes. course that's wonderful <laughs> we're getting paid that's in, great like, good for the cobalt yay i'm so too excited about the cobalt karmic retribution is what we're getting paid in I'm very excited. Do you think there'll be, like, like, I know we're going for this, like, instrument, but maybe they'll just be some. I mean, well, listen, listen, the only thing we still owe Thontorvrak is the instrument. I figure, and Thontorvrak may figure this too, that anything else we find, that's ours. Yeah. Yeah. He asks for an instrument. I need a payday. He's going to get an instrument. Literally everything else is outside his mandate and therefore into our hands and potentially a way for me to get Murray back. Maybe we can give him a trombone. I'm sorry, what? Maybe we find a trombone that we can give him, then we can... No, 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 no. Yes, trombones are nice. Yeah. Uh, Travancore, wait, what'd you say? So, I got the folding boat. Uh, Oh, good. 
we're, we're good there. Um, it, there's two modes. I have uh, call words ready to go for it, where it could be either a small boat with doesn't that's a like a nice boat, okay, or it could be like slightly larger boat that could have a fifteen oh, that, medium that's people great. comfortably. Let's let's that's rewind a little more. So I had to trade my flare bow for it, which I okay. haven't been using it that often. Oh, that's that's really generous of you. And as collateral, depending on what we find and what we're able to pay, because Captain Langley was very adamant that like this is she needed something. You know, either straight up cash for this or like something that could be held, you know, and what I proposed is using something as collateral. And so I, I figured if we die during this adventure, you know, it's, it kind of sucks for, for Murray because he'd just be stuck in the plane of water. At least this way, he's on the same plane. He has great company because Captain Langley is a lot of fun. So Murray's going to hang out with Captain Langley until I could find something that's worth enough to get Murray back. You did what? You, what? Wait. Oh, so he's a hostage. Cool. You see the fiery rage in Carlton's eyes that you've only seen when standing with Carlton in flanking of an enemy. Oh no. <laughs> oh my, what have I done? Did you sell our friend? Uh, you cannot sell a, a conscious being. That is in violation of any number of treaties and laws. Ba- no, you both just back indentured servitude him. No, 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 no. It is a... He is visiting Captain Langley. Guys... He's just a captive. It's okay. Oh, okay. He's a hostage. Hostage is a very violent word with violent connotations. I think Captain Langley can be trusted to return Murray upon payment. That's fair, isn't it? What payment? We didn't agree to payment for this job! We don't have any money! I have two gold, apparently! Well, we're, we're going to a very extraneous place. Every time we go somewhere, we find random stuff that is of various values. Even if it's just seaweed garbage, we could probably sell it off as something extra planar that magicians could use. The Watchful Order will probably want something from there to use in their collections. There might be, I don't know, some sort of fish that they need. Like, we're going somewhere that many people don't go to, and when you go somewhere that people don't go to, you find things that are valuable. And sooner or later, we're going to run into something that'll get us Murray back. Selling extra planar snake oil? Snake? Uh, no snake oil. Like, if you get a rock from... Is there a moon in fa- like in the fantasy world, D&D? Yes. Okay, if you get a rock from one of the moons, it is something that even if it can't do very much, it would be valuable. So, extra planar stuff, I, I figure the same thing applies. Jonathan the Magic Muscular wants to consider that from an arcane perspective. Uh, to see if mundane components from another plane could potentially be useful in manageably manageably transportable quantities i'm gonna say you know without a role that mundane arcane components even if they are gathered from a different plane of existence are not going to get you extra funds however yeah i'm not even gonna make a royal history check because this just happened yesterday and you have that memory von Torvrak mentioned that on a regular basis boats are snatched from the ocean by storms that then scuttle them on the the island that you're going to in the plane of water it stands to reason there would be stuff to salvage beyond whatever you're going to find on this island so jonathan the metromuscular is gonna kind of like sidle up next to travancore and be like guys travancore's right it'll be fine we'll come up We'll come up with a ransom for Murray 
and and it'll be okay. Hey, we'll you know Barney, we'll get more gold for you. I'm poor as dirt, and Jonathan the Magic Muscular, like in his palm, has his four silver pieces. Like this is all I'm worth right now. So I'm hoping we get some money, right, Travancore? There's gonna be money there. We can use some money. Where Travancore? Where is her ship? That's in my pocket. No, her actual ship. Oh, actual ship. The Tide Turner. Oh. Uh, it's by the docks. Is it at the docks? Probably near the Chubby Duck like it was before. All right, cool. I'll be back. And Carlton oh, oh, leaves. Charlton, Travancore just bolts me like, like, slow down there. Shadow, come with. No, I've got gold. I'm getting Murray back. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And so uh, Jonathan Magimuski is going to... Okay, so right now, Murray is potential gold. <laughs> we can... Get Murray back. Plus, and Travancore has explained that we don't want Murray coming with us. If we all die, Murray's stuck at the bottom of the ocean with no one to talk to. Right now, he's in the company of a charming and uh, interesting uh, captain. And we are going to get him back because you are going to have that gold at the end of this, probably. But potentially more. So really, there's no reason to to give your gold for Murray now before everything happens. You could, if we come up and we're bumpkiss, you can still give her that money for for Murray, and the deal is stays intact, and you potentially come up with money that you don't have to give out of your sack. You can get different sack money. Then be it on your head, Travancore, and then I walk back. And I say to Bernie, I'm not actually going to kill him. I just want him to sweat a little bit. Travancore looks over at Jonathan and says, shit, he's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I know he, he doesn't agree or disagree. He just like, oh, that sucks, buddy. It <laughs> just pats him on the back. <laughs> yeah, I let Bernie know that she's not going to actually have to use a diamond. But I'm going to make Travancore sweat it out a little bit. All right. What would you like to do? Uh, I think we should probably uh, rest it up before we go to the ocean world. Jonathan the Match Muscular was going to say he's going to buy everyone a round of uh, of pre-elemental plane of water drinks, but he literally can't do that. <laughs> I'll buy us a round. <laughs> Actually, Travancore feels a little bit guilty. He's going to use some of his gold to buy the, ra- the first round. <laughs> All right, so you're going to spend the evening, you're going to enjoy some drinks and some food and some dry land, have one last sleep, and then the plan is to go? Plan is to go. Yeah. I think so. All right. Then as you finish up your dinner and as you retire for the evening with potential dreams of water on the brain, knowing that the next morning it's going to be a lot more wet, we'll pause there. And next time we get together, it will be the morning of a new month. You've made it past Alterec. We are into, I'm pretty sure this is not how it's pronounced, but I'm going to say it anyway. We're in chess. It's C-H-E-S. Chess one. Uh, You are in a new month. It'll be the morning. What else would it be? Cheese? Cheese, I think. It's only one S. Chess? Chess? Would it be Chase? Chess, chase, like, chase. like a chase, chase. yeah, like shay, but with an s. So chess. I mean, I could call it the claw of the sunsets, but chess is a lot more easy. I like chess. It's both a game and a pie. There you go, and also a month. Anyway, let me give you some experience for athletic medium, for fish sticks over sexy, 
for this being an episode where apparently Carlton just wants to... Yeah, I'll just say it. Fuck around with Travancore. This is apparently the fuck around <laughs> with Travancore episode. I don't know why, but it was. For negotiations it's been with, a while. Yeah. For negotiations with Captain Langley, for swanky outfits, for chatting with Coco Snoot, and preparing for a trip with probably the most useful spell that you could get. I'm going to give you a total of 8,000 experience to split between the four of you. Next time we get together, it'll be the morning. And unless you want to do anything else, it's time to go planes hopping. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Magic Dance, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.